Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Mike, Tom, and Jim. And we are more than one. We are more than two. We are three sweet me bro. Uh, on this week's show, we'll discuss the most noteworthy shenanigans of the week in a clickbait. Each of us will also provide you with our must-match, wa- uh, must-watch list matches of the week. And Tom will be sharing a spotlight on a certi- certified bona fide star of the wrestling business. So without further ado, let's get into some clickbait. Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening and where it's been like, what? To like, oh God, no. Like, to like, oh shit. We'll go ahead and get it started. Um, I think probably one of the most noteworthy uh, events of this past week uh, was the Andrade, El Idolo, and Sammy Guevara dust-up um, that apparently started over some some tweets, or actually, no, uh, started over Andrade giving a uh, interview. Um, I can't remember, but I, I want to say it was for uh, something in Mexico, obviously, um, him himself being Hispanic, Latino, um, was doing some press down there, and I had guessed brought up the fact that Sammy Guevara kind of was complaining that he hits too hard. <laughs> and Andrade was just like, well, I mean, come on, man. Like basically just in that, in that vein was like, yeah, I hit hard. And so what deal with it? Everybody else, you know, I, I, I work with Seamus. I work with John Cena. No one said I've hit hard, but like, this is our business. And apparently that opened the floodgates and it started a, a back and forth war, war of words on Twitter with, I, like I said, I think it was Andrade or it, I don't know. I I just something came to this interview. I'm not sure who fired the first shot, but then all of a sudden it got really personal, really, really fast, where basically in a nutshell, Andrade was like, all right, see you Wednesday. And like, that was kind of it. And it was like, oh crap, like, is Andrade going to go kill Sammy Guevara? What's going to happen? Sure enough, from what I understand um, is that they, they got there or at least a lot of other people were like, Hey guys, you need to calm down you know, settle this professionally, whatever. And apparently they didn't listen and I, they somehow ran into each other. And then now again, of course, as he said, she said, supposedly Sammy was the agitator. A lot of people are saying Andrade was, but they definitely said that Andrade threw the first punch and Sammy basically didn't do anything. Um, And that's why what led to, uh, I think it was like a last-minute decision um, on Dynamite for Andrade to get sent home, and Sammy was going to stay, which also resulted in like how again how fast word travels. They were already booing him out of the building, and I think even by the end yeah. of the show, they were like eat a low, eat a low. So it's like it's I don't know, and you know it, we could talk about this. I think just for one show in general, the, the issues Sammy Guevara seems to have with everybody, um, but also just the issues with AEW yet. This is another black mark on AEW where it's, you just had this reset after this massive fight, supposedly, allegedly with, you know, your EVPs and CM Punk. And they had this whole reboot, this big, you know, kind of come to Jesus, uh, uh, talent meeting where, I think it was Mox, Danielson, uh, and Jericho were like, guys, like, okay, let's get our heads on straight. They had a nice reset, and then this happens. So really interesting to see what happens. And, again, you know, it's this one's different because, like, I, it, right away, I think it was either Jew Jim or Tom sent me, and it was TMZ. So I'm like, okay, like, maybe this has actually some legitimacy, legitimacy to it, um, you know, since they're covering it. I mean, I, I don't know, but – 
just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on it. Um, you know, it, 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 let's talk about it, you know? Yeah, I, I think, number one, no two ways about it. It's it's a shoot. I, I, I think it's absolutely real. Um, I, I think it underlies a really important issue of locker room leadership. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, they had Mox, they had Danielson, they had Jericho have that come to Jesus meeting. There needs to be a consistent undertaker type figure in the locker room. Who's just cut through the bullshit. And man, guys, I nominate Samoa Joe because it's gotta be somebody who everybody respects, right? It's gotta be somebody who everybody oh. respects and oh, yeah. who would legitimately beat your ass if you have a problem. And I, to me, that's just, fucking Samoa Joe perfectly. You gotta have a little fear. Exactly. In exactly. You can't have leadership without a little bit of shitting yourself. Um, but you know, like oh, yeah. I, the whole situation is just obviously Sammy Guevara is not an angel. Uh, his issues with Eddie Kingston, uh, his issues now with Andrade. I'm sure there's been other people who've been rubbed the wrong way. Uh, just to kind of uh, fill in a little bit more color on the background that you gave there, Mike. You know, Andrade did that interview where he talked about Sammy complaining about being too snug and said, you know, like, John Cena didn't even complain, which I thought was fucking hilarious that, like, John Cena is suddenly the example of the biggest bitch in the world. And that, that, <laughs> you're saying you're setting the bar with John Cena. Yeah. Yeah. So Andrade gave that interview. Well, Sammy put out a tweet that was it was a vague tweet. It said you were a charity hire. You're a jobber, you know, bitch. Right. Stuff like that. But he didn't. He, nobody knew who it was to. And so Andrade took it as about him. But I, a lot of people are saying, no, it was probably about Daniel Garcia because they had that match coming up, right? They had that Danielson Garcia versus Jericho, Sammy. And so a lot of people are saying, they're like, oh, no, no, he meant it for, for Garcia. But Andrade read it was like, well, fuck you then. And that's what he launched. Into his shit <laughs> and then Sammy fired back and it just got nasty. So, yeah, I, to me, it just it really undergirds the idea that they need. They need an Undertaker-like figure in their locker room. And to me, I think Samoa Joe is the perfect guy for the job because uh, this shit can't happen. You can't I, – I know I know. historically it happens all the time. The boys fight. I get it. But you can't – not over shit like this where you're sending guys home and it's creating division in the crowd, right? You know, like guys – when Arn and Sid yeah. try to murder each other on an airplane, the crowd didn't know about it at the next show. You know, that's you're living in a time period where you can't have that shit go on and have your company continue to, to draw fans. Well, I mean, it goes back to your point that we I, I feel like we've we've talked about it several weeks, you know, is, is just the the um, effect social media has, you know. And I mean, it was TMZ, I'm sure, put it out on all their pages, you know, and that's how we find out about it. And then, I mean, literally, you're getting updates on while you're probably sitting in the audience, you know, that it's like. It's insane how fast word travels. And it was, you know, like to your point with the, the Sid and Arn, you know, scissoring <laughs> to, uh, you know, scissoring incident. Um, you know, it was years, I think, before like it came yeah. out that it was like, oh, my God, Sid Vicious almost killed Arn Anderson with a pair of, you know, children's safety scissors or something like it just – Nuts, but I mean, it's just how insanely fast things are happening, and and how again it has a, a effect on the product, you know. And it's interesting that you know, again, I I also read just a little blurb that you know um, Chris Jericho really went to bat for Sammy because he said he didn't throw a punch, but also at the same time, I'm like, okay, come on, you're you're one of the, the quote unquote locker room leaders. 
you're, you've got this awful thing going right now. I'm sure you were like, you know, you, you pulled a little bit of weight to keep Sammy in there, which I think, I'm sorry, but I think Sammy should have equally been sent home because it's like, great. You didn't throw a punch. Congratulations. But like you embarrassed yourself, Andrade, the company, you know, and it's just, it's nuts. And, and Jim, some of you not to go back to this, but I mean, like, it's this he was doing the same like with the whole Sasha Banks thing and it was just like disgusting like really disgusting and like thank god they had the sense to send him you know to whatever sensitivity training or it was but they pulled him off they they should have done it again in my opinion and it just they could have they could have done something where you know it was a a two-on-one or you know Daniel Garcia versus Chris Jericho against something like that but it was just yeah stupid I think uh I mean, I, I also agree with you, Jim, wholeheartedly about the locker room leader. Um, and Joe would be perfect because Joe scares me even. I also think it, it, it ultimately needs to – we need to see some sort of responsibility come, coming from Tony Khan at this point because we, we've, heard, we've heard about – you know, this is not the first incident with two wrestlers – uh, this year, let alone uh, having kind of like a slugfest in the back. And at a certain point, rather than taking sides, which is, I, I think we, we clearly saw with Sammy being able to, to take the pin even, which was absolutely ridiculous. He needed to just be like, look, both of you guys are done and you can figure this out later. We're going to move on because he has the talent to do. He has, he has the talent to do that. He has enough talent to at last minute go, Hey, guess what? You guys are going to fulfill this spot. If you guys don't like it, tough shit on the boss. And we're not seeing that. We're not seeing and, – and and as much as I think we all have our disagreements with McMahon, McMahon was the final – but he was like, you know what? You guys are acting like children. Cool. It's going to be the goon versus, you know, somebody else. This – you know, and, and – and or – or and I'm not – I'm not condoning or saying that Tony Khan should do this, but we all know like when two wrestlers were acting the idiots – Someone was going to get punished, either fired or pushed in a ridiculous role, i.e. the Perry Saturn I was just going to say, you know, so like I'm not saying Tony Khan needs to embarrass people, but Tony Khan, Tony Khan for sure also needs to be a key ingredient in making sure that his talents are acting like idiots. And I'm sorry, it's it's harder to believe the stuff that's coming out from uh, Sammy Guevara because of how just history keeps repeating itself with that kid. And it's like. Dude, you're you're bound. You're just gonna you're just asking for like somebody to just be like, all right, and just kick your ass. I'm and surprisingly, I'm surprised it wasn't Kingston, because from everything I've heard about that guy, that guy has no problem doing that. So, I, I mean, it's just it's a it looks very bad right now for for I feel AEW trying to at least somewhat compensate from the the AEW Fallout uh, pay per view with Punk and Omega. Well, and and you gotta so. add add to it the the underlying drama here of andrade wanting his release right you know that's that's been the the you know speculated about and talked about all over the places andrade yeah. wants out of aew and i uh, i read one report that said that andrade was even told ahead of time fighting sammy guevara will not get you out of your contract <laughs> so so i, I think yeah. that's part of the reason why a lot of people are wondering if that's work uh is because you know andrade's been not so secretive about not wanting to be there anymore uh, which seems like, oh, well, why would he be that obvious about it if it wasn't part of the act, if it wasn't a work? Uh, but yeah, I, Sammy, if Sammy gets fired, he has nowhere to go. Impact doesn't want him because he he already like when AEW and Impact were working together, Sammy blew that shit up. WWE would never take him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. WWE right. would never take him because he's so his size and his attitude. 
Sammy needs AEW. AEW doesn't need Sammy. Andrade could go fucking anywhere, right? Absolutely anywhere. So it, it blows my mind that Tony Khan is kind of playing favorites with the guy who doesn't bring anything to the table. You know, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Vince was the, the, the final word and he had his flaws fucking obviously, but you know, not a money, not least a month that was, he would play favorites, right? You know, like Sean, Sean Michaels could get away with fucking murder and Vince was going to let him get a pass, but that's because Sean could draw. That's because Sean Michaels was a generational talent. Oh. Sammy Guevara is not a fucking generational talent. There's no reason to give him that kind of leash. He's uh, the, I think the, the uh, another damaging thing is is to I mean Sammy is a great wrestler don't get me wrong it's his ego his ego because he does think he's the greatest wrestler in the world and it's like well hey chief let's let's back let's pump the brakes here and I think that's and and I think as a fan we can all see that and and go like whoa Khan what what is going on here uh so yeah and and to. As, as a good segue, I mean, it's been three years since AEW uh, has has started, and I was going to ask you guys a, a question. Um, one, are you happy with what we're seeing as a, as a, as a whole with AEW? And two, where do we where do we see AEW progressing forward if they can put all of this like drama back and forth uh, uh, behind them? Uh, basically, what I'm trying to say is, where do we see AEW in the next five years? That's a, it's a really, really great question, um, you know, because I think there's a lot of things at play. And I kind of had the same similar thoughts. Um, you know, they I think it was uh, DC was their the, the first show and whatnot. And so I was like, oh, yeah, it has been three years. And I'm like, wow, a lot's happened with the pandemic. And, you know, and I, I my honest answer is I don't know, because especially what's happened in the past year. Um, with Vince being gone, I mean, that's huge. Um, That's really, really huge because I think that they were relying on the fact that he's just making bad television right now. And, and it, 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 it's a very niche audience, a very young audience to where it's, you know, they're, they're, those will tune in. But I think for wrestling fans, it was like, Oh, cool. You know, AEW is different. They're spotlighting guys from ring of honor, from impact, from new Japan. So I was like, cool, this is really cool. And then the more and more, it's just like, then the fight comes out and then you start, you know, the trios tournament where it was just literally just made for the bucks. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And then I started seeing this and now it's like, yeah, we're going to bring in, you know, Malachi black. Where's he cool. We're going to bring in Miro. Where's he Brian cage. Okay. Where's he? (laughs) Um, Like, it's just, it's insane with, I I just do not understand the booking right now. Um, And then the Jericho fiasco with the ring of honor. And I'm like, what? the hell is going on and like i i think the women's division is doing really well um i could see that taking off definitely with soraya being around um and and hopefully healthy um and all that fun stuff but i think they're starting to get their footing but may i i really don't know i i it's hard to say um i think you know not to again to go back into this i think they need a locker room leader for sure um i think tony khan needs to put his foot down I think he may need to split up some of the booking um, duties um, because it's just some of his stuff. It just it's not making any sense. Like it's just the, the the Chris Jericho thing literally makes no sense. Like I get it. Like but you could do that. You don't. You could do. You could do this. I'm gonna you know ring of dishonor, whatever you want to call it, or you know what Jericho's doing it. You don't have to do it with Jericho. You could do it with someone else and still have these dream matches. With you could have Brian Danielson 
who's Mr. Ring of Honor suddenly turn anti, you know what I mean? Like, so I, that, I mean, that'd be silly, but you could have someone else do that. You don't have to have Chris Jericho. And it just uh, made, it just made no sense. And I'm like, man, where I like, I, they're already, it feels like they're already starting to do it with um, MJF. Like here comes MJF. And I get it. The whole fight happened. And if it's real, things kind of got to reset itself. But I'm like, what's going on with Will Yuta? Like wh- where did that come from? And then like, and then I think we were talking about it on Wednesday when he goes to shake Yuta's hand, and I'm like, "Well, wait a minute! Like, wait, what is going on? Like, he's he, he's either a m- just massive piece of shit, or he's a baby fan. Like, what are you doing? Like, you had him come out, and he's like Mr. Heel. Now all of a sudden, he's like Mr. Anti-Hero. Like, what is going on? So, long story short, I honestly don't know where I see AEW in five years. I, I really have no idea. I, I, you raised, I think, the perfect point, Mike, and that is that. When AEW started, they weren't counter-programming WWE, but they were a clear alternative. You know, WWE had their Mm -hmm. style. It was Vince. They had Vince's style. And AEW, I remember when they launched, and for the whole first year, their whole shtick, their whole thing was, we're not trying to compete with them. We're just doing our own thing. We're not trying to compete with them. And in doing so, we're, in fact, offering an alternative. They were, they were saying, all right, here, here you go, Marketplace. You can take this, that, you know, this established product that WWE has. But if you don't like that, here's an, here's an alternative. Now that Triple H is running creative at WWE, it's going to be a direct competition uh, because they're going to be running competing styles. They're, they're going to be running shows that are looking very similar to each other with talent that are very similar to each other. I think... I think the one of the worst things that happened to AEW was Vince McMahon getting canned uh, because it's going to make their job a lot because it's harder now. It's real competition for them now, and they have to step up. and And I don't think Tony Khan was ready for that. I don't think he's put himself in a position to step up. Uh, unfortunately, in five years, I think I think AEW is going to be like Impact. I think they're going to be shopping around for TV uh, deals. I I think their talent is going to dwindle. Uh, I, I just, I don't see them being able to maintain where they are now when you consider again, that the, they set themselves up to be a, an anti McMahon. Well, now there's no McMahon to be anti. So now what the fuck do you do? And I don't think they're ready for that. I don't think they've thought through that. I actually couldn't agree more with that. Um, the only, my only, I guess this reminds me a lot of ECW when not <clears throat> not when they were like going financially under. I think one of the best things about AEW is they have amazing matches. They have horrible stories. And that's what I feel is like killing them right now is that like for example, and well I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit when uh you have Brian Cage and Wardlow that could have been months of an amazing story. Months. And we get it one night and out of nowhere. And everyone's like, oh, Brian Cage returned. Like, when did this happen? And why did he leave in the first place? And so I, I for Tansa, I guess my own question, where I see them in the future, I I don't want to be like everybody else and be like, oh, they're, they're in the next WCW. They're folding. They're under. I can definitely see them headed to Impact ring of honor type territory where it is dangerous territory to be in where you're like, Oh shit, we can't find anybody to put us on TV. But con the difference between con and Heyman was con has billions of dollars to play with where 
Paul Heyman owes billions of dollars to people. So like that's that's the biggest I think my biggest concern is that and I agree with Mike and, and you Jim is that they need to split up the booking. They need to get smarter booking and and for the love of God, as much as I love Jericho and how I do think he's one of the greats, stop relying on him to save your company. You need to start investing in some like future talent like Ricky Starks. Why the hell that guy isn't on TV every single day is – you're just asking him to go to WWE at this point. So, uh, I mean, yeah, and, and uh, you know, Mox just signed a five-year deal. Good for him. But Mox again, he, that dude's going to peter out. He's not going to be the face of the company. So they've got some heavy booking decisions to make and I think they need to drastically start shrinking their roster. Uh, and, and, and get some actual, you know, FaceTime and, 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 and to some of these like younger dudes, I don't need to see Jericho every day on TV. That, that's absurd that we're seeing that. So they do have a mountain to climb. Do, do I think that they can get there? Absolutely. But they're in that realm of like one wrong, one more wrong decision or one more backstage fight. And you're going to get a lot of people who are like, ah, eh, fuck this. I'm just going to go to WWE again. I mean, that's, I mean, really, you know, not to, not to say too much more about it, but I mean, it's, I'm, I'm still obviously holding my breath with WWE, you know, um, after which we'll segue here, uh, you know, after watching extreme rules, I'm still like, eh, nope, not quite ready to go back yet. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, but it's, it's getting to the point to where it's like, I, 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 I do like the story aspect of wrestling and AEW, like you said, Jim, it's just right now. It's just, I can, I, I want to watch good matches. All right. Tom said, which one I forget which one of you said it, but I mean, really it's <laughs> sorry. Um, no, but I mean, it is, it's like, I just watch I watch dynamite for good wrestling. It's not the stories and, and maybe one or two, but it's truly just for the wrestling. So I'm like, I want to watch these guys move. I, I can't sit through whatever WWE is doing with their stories. It's just, it's terrible, but yeah the big news of wwe this week was there was the extreme rules pay-per-view the build-up to it and then the actual pay-per-view um it started with the brawling brutes and imperium what did you guys think of the brawling brutes and imperium match i thought it was heavy hitting um i i missed a little bit of it um because i thought the pay-per-view was tonight not last night <laughs> um so i had to catch up but like Come on, man. it was um it was what i thought it was going to be just six dudes beating the crap out of each other. Um, I'm, I'm more intrigued in Walter, sorry, Gunther and Seamus than I am the other two guys. Um, I think I jury's still out with Ridge Holland. Um, I, I don't know what they're doing with Butch. I'm sorry, but Pete Dunn, like, I think that that guy could go solo. Um, I, I get that they're trying to introduce him, but like, I thought they did a really good job of that with the NXT and NXT UK. And I don't understand the whole, but again, I know that I think they're trying to course correct some Vince stuff um, and, and whatnot. Imperium. I, okay. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's just a different version of ring comp, um, you know, and it's, which is fine. But like, again, nothing like, eh, like to me, the money is, is Walter and, and, and Seamus. And I think that they, it seems like they're doing some good storytelling around that. So, you know, I, I liked it for what it was and I think it's going to continue going that, but like overall, like, okay, you know, good, good opening kickoff match. I was, uh, I was texting these fine young gentlemen, uh, the, well, excuse me, fine young and old gentlemen. Say one young. Uh, you can figure out who's who here. Now, uh, <laughs> Jim's not much older than I am, dude. <laughs> well, two old guys. Uh, uh, but when I was texting you guys, 
Don't you get just a slight bit of nervous when Rich Holland starts throwing people around after? And I, I, I hate that he what happened with Big E. And I, I, from what I understand, they're 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 fine. But Jesus Christ, I, that kid is unbearably green to watch sometimes because you're just like, oh, oh, someone's gonna die. And I was like, dude, when he lifted both of them at once, and I was like, come on, man, you can barely lift Big E. What are you doing, two guys now? <laughs> So I mean, as, as far as as far as an opener, I thought it was a good opener, solid, uh, solid. Just guys just beating the shit out of each other. Um, which I, I read actually, which is kind of interesting, is that uh, Gunther or uh, Walter, whoever you want to call him, uh, hasn't. He's only had two clean pins in his t- entire run. So I'm I, I'm hoping to see that they we we get like a somewhat of a story out of that and hopefully i don't know where they can mold it but if he drops the ic belt i hope they're they're gonna prep him for uh the the heavyweight title so i i hope that's in gunther's uh future yeah and i i kind of what you guys said i i think the sheamus versus gunther storyline is fantastic uh those two are just it's just the, both those guys are so fucking snug and and just hellacious strikers i think those two can have a very long storyline and it can be fantastic and the imperium and brawling brute stuff is just kind of tag on i agree I, I i'll never not be pissed off about the pete dunn to butch bullshit uh you know, and especially in this angle because remember how did pete dunn who did pete pete dunn beat for the nxt uk championship it was Tyler Bay. Yeah. Right. And who beat Pete Dunn? Uh, Walter. Oh, Walter did. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And it wasn't until Ilya Dragunov took it off of uh, off of Walter. So that's another. I mean, it, it was not a year ago, year and a half ago, that we were to believe that Pete Dunn and Gunter were, you know, were evenly matched. And now he's this pipsqueak. He's just flying on the on the back of of, of Gunter. I don't and I don't like that. I don't I I I know that's a Vince thing. It's a carryover, but I I, I would love to see this just kind of come down to Gunter versus Sheamus for a long time storytelling. Uh, and I think good things can come out of it that way. One one of the I I'm surprised uh, uh, one none of you guys brought this up, but whoever was running the camera last night, I hope was fired. <laughs> uh, they, they they set it up for uh, – I, I, did you catch it when uh, Gu- uh, Gunther – God, I hate calling him Gunther. Uh, when, he, when he was doing one of his chops to Pete Dunne, they cut right away from it. And I was like, why did you do that? And they, they like cut to like nonsense. Like I think they, they – uh, like a shot of the shillelagh. And I'm like – all of a sudden you hear like in the background you just like whack and you're like, oh, cool. I just missed Pete Dunne getting completely level. Well, and directing live TV is not easy, right? So I like to I like to give a, a you know right. a lot of leeway and a lot of you know consideration. But that's a, that's a problem WWE has had for a while is this – they want to do jump cuts, Ugh. right? They want to cut on each strike. So Sheamus does his 10 beats of the Bowery and they want to cut on each strike. You know, Walter's lining up for chops. They want to cut on each chop. Just fucking leave it, man. Give us a static shot so we can yeah. take it in. I, God. And that's like that's Walter's – that's like his money or his chops. Why Why would you – like that's what I'm going to tune in is. I want to hear that resounding slap throughout the arena. Yeah, like, it's part of why I love the, the Seamus uh, Gunther 
feud is because Sheamus is so pasty that Gunter's chops make Sheamus' chest look fucking brutal. Like Sheamus and Brian Danielson both have the perfect complexion for chops. Like both of them look like they've just been fucking abused by a meat grinder after taking chops, and it's great. It sells so good. What was the uh, the the, the follow up match? It was uh... the the SmackDown Women's Title, which. That happened. This to me is what happens when you have two wrestlers who have zero chemistry. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to shit all over it. I mean, there was some fun little spots here and there. It looked like, uh, uh, Rhonda was like tagging her for real, uh, with the, the, you know, the cool looking bat. I mean, you could see it bend. That was another fun. Uh, again, when I was talking about the camera work, they were like, you would see the bat and it would just go. <laughs> and uh, I mean, she left a pretty nasty uh, welt on her, on her stomach, but like, you know, Rhonda was, Rhonda was uh, hitting pretty hard, but man, I just, I couldn't get into it. Just uh, I, I, the chemistry just looked bleh. like, just kind of like, all right, we're going to do it. And then that's it. To me, Rhonda, Rhonda's not a wrestler and she never will be like good for her for trying it. But like, it is – there are very few people, and I hate including this guy in this, but, like, that can make that transition from MMA to wrestling. I think Riddle has done a good job. Um, Tom Lawler, I think, is doing a good job. Cain Velasquez killed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, <laughs> literally killed. Uh, yeah. I think he actually almost killed himself. Uh, <laughs> no, he literally, literally killed somebody. Killed um, oh. yeah. Wait, why? You, you heard that? Cain Velasquez is sitting in jail right now for, for murder. Murder, yeah, it all has something. No, I know where. <laughs> where the hell have I been for this? It's digress a little, but like she just does not. I, I, her biggest things are coming out smiling, pointing to a sign for whatever it is it's promoting, whether it's WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Excellent work. I mean, woof, she's got that point down, but like, I, it to me, it felt like Liv was carrying that match. Liv was like, oh boy, you know, and like I, you know, I, I didn't see enough of Liv. Um, I, I knew at some point it was going to go back to Rhonda. Cause I mean, they think for some stupid reason, they think she's their like bread and butter, the women's division, which makes zero sense. Um, but I, I like the, 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 like, I'm going to, I'm not tapping. I'm going to laugh and pass out. Like, okay, we can get this carried on for a couple more. Sure. Good for you. Live for building it. But Jesus, man, it snooze. Like I was like, wow, laundry, laundry. I was going to say Rhonda is like watching laundry dry. Laundry is like watching Rhonda dry. Wait, what? <laughs> we got there. That's how bad the match was. We just like speaking in tongues. I didn't, I didn't like how they had Rhonda kicking out of everything. I really didn't like that. Like Rhonda came off that match looking really strong and Liv looked weak. And that's been the thing her whole run, right? Her whole title run has – they haven't really made Liv a contender. They haven't made her look strong. I will say the best thing to come out of the match, the best thing to come out of the Ronda Live match was the the uh, I don't know, and I don't even know if you guys saw it, but the post match where Liv was like hiding in the corner in the back when they tried to talk to her, and she had this crazy grin on her face. That's a lot of people saying like, "Oh, she's she must be one of the Wyatt Six. She must be tying into the to the Wyatt Six. So maybe because you know the rumor was a long time ago she was supposed to be Sister Abigail. Uh, maybe that's coming around now. Maybe Liv is is going and then. On her yeah. Twitter today, her Twitter has gone dark, which is another kind of – so I think that's that's my maybe one positive thing to come out of that match is it might be a turn for Liv and character development. Might. 
Then I could see that. That I mean, so would she be essentially like the new Alexa Bliss yeah. then? I guess or like she be, okay. I, that yeah, is, the speculation is that like you know when 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 Bray came out, you know you had all the Fire, Firefly Funhouse characters in real life there, and there was a sister yeah, character there. The that's the that's the speculation is that she'll be the actual sister Abigail character. Oh, interesting. All right, why not? I'm. If it helps her with her character, um, by all means. I mean, it's it's a pretty big. I mean, because when did she win the title? She did she, she did live win it at WrestleMania so months ago. Yeah. Oh, no, she won it. Uh, Money yes. in the bank. Money in the bank. Okay. Right. Yep. Okay. No, yeah, I, I mean, she I think won it's, Money in the Bank and cashed it in the next, or it was right around that time. Okay. No, I just, but I mean, that's that's good character. I mean, she was in a trio with what? It was like her, Liv Morgan, um, and uh, Ruby before she yeah, left. Sarah Logan, Liv and Morgan, whatnot. Ruby. Yeah. Sarah Logan, yeah. Sarah Logan, that's it. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's like good for her, and I think she's she's hung around, and and I I could see, yeah, let her let her become a bad girl, you know, bad person, I guess, or a heel, and see see how that goes. So, bad but girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. bad girl, just, uh, just a grown guys. We just lost uh, all of our. We had one, and now they're gone. Really um, uncomfortable for everybody. So, uh, come on, come on guys. Are you with me, right? Liv? <laughs> speaking of uncomfortable, uh, though, speaking of uncomfortable, how about that Karrion Cross Drew McIntyre match? Oh, look at that. That's a segue of beauty, my friend. Uh, bored. Uh, you know what? You know what kind of irritated me, to be honest, and I'm, I'm just poking fun at Jim here, but like ever since you told me he was smaller. Then, then he they've been like booking him. It's like almost embarrassingly noticeable now to like how big. Because remember, I, I sent you guys that text, and I thought, and I I loved it. It's it's such a mark move. I love it when on Friday you get you get McIntyre rising up from the back. He's did that. Oh, yeah. He did that a couple of times. Keith Lee's done it. If you're a big man and you can pull that off, it is the coolest thing ever. I'm just gonna put it that way. But then you see the like the, the absolute like huge height difference, and you're like. Wait, what? They're they're trying to make cross this guy who's like just this insane jack dude, and like now I can't stop. Like I can't stop it. I can't stop looking at it. And I looked at the entire match. I'm just like, and I think honestly, it really and 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 I'm surprised we didn't even talk about this, Ryan. I'm going to talk about it real quick. They were in Philly for crying out loud, and Philly was dead. Like Philly, they killed the Philly crowd. And I was like, wow, good job guys. That's a first. Um, so I think it was just, a, it was a sleeper. It was boring. The story has been just up and down. And, and, and I honestly, who gives a shit at this point? So, I, and I, I don't want to shit on cross. Uh, Cause I, I think that dude needs a lot of work. I think he could be a good talent if booked correctly, but not like this. This is just, Oh, this was rough. This was really rough. And I want, I got to hear Jim because I know, Jim, you love Carrie. I fucking hate Carrie. (laughs) One fucking move, man. In that entire match, he did one wrestling move. He did one Saido suplex, and that's fucking it. And that's all he can do. And that's, it it drives me, and I get it's a strap match, right? You're not going to see technical execution in a fucking strap match. But for the love of Pete, you know, like even fucking Drew McIntyre was throwing suplexes. You know, I just carrying cross the only thing he has going for me. Perfect analogy. Perfect analogy. I thought about the, watching the match last night. When when somebody's in high school and they're tall, like six five, they're the star of the basketball team. 
right? Because if you play at a shitty high school and you're tall, you're, you're the star just because you're tall. But then you go to college and you're playing with guys who are six foot eight. And then you go to the pros, you got guys who are six foot 10. And all of a sudden you being six, five doesn't mean anything anymore. Right. So you never <laughs> learn how to play basketball because you always just relied upon the fact that you're fucking tall. That's carrying cross coming up through the Indies, his entire career. He was able to rely on being bigger than the other guys he was in the ring with. Well, that ain't fucking working anymore. He never bothered to learn how to wrestle. Because he could always just be the, look, I'm fucking big and I've got a stupid fucking Roman tattoo. That means white supremacy. That's all he fucking is. Is it just a guy who's larger? Did you not notice the white supremacy tattoo? Anything? No, I did not know that. Uh, he, he, several reasons I have a problem carrying crap. He never learned how to fucking wrestle. And it just, it drives me fucking nuts that he's being put in this position and the, and they don't know what they're fucking doing with him. They, they've screwed up this story with McIntyre so much. Like, the, the finishing the match with fucking macing Drew McIntyre. Like, really? Fucking mace? And then the match previous was the fucking fireball. When are they going to figure out fireballs don't work? Fireballs always fucking backfire. That shit never works. As oh, yeah, yeah. God damn it. I don't understand why the fuck I'm supposed to care about Karrion Cross, and I'm mad at Triple H for making me make him <laughs> see him because he's so ah, he's so fucking bad. He's just so bad. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and I, to be real quick, Mike. No, to be ahead. superficial, also because I'm that guy, dude, dude. His hair is weird now. <laughs> I, I and like don't get me wrong I'm not I don't shame anybody for the way they look but like I'm gonna shame him because that dude's is a massive big dude who should have remained bald because I think he looked good bald but like the hair he had like almost at a certain point in the match I just started laughing because I was like he looks like flat top from Dick Tracy <laughs> and, and I just couldn't get into it and as soon as I and that's the problem with me with how my brain operates I see something like that it's over I'm like all I can think of is like Dick Tracy now and I'm just like this this is bad. I can't. He could do a 450 splash and I'd still be like, huh, well, check it out. Flat top did a 450. Well, I think it's the gym's credit is that, you know, you're in Philly. So, you know, if you're going to do some type, I mean, you no, know, your pay-per-view is called Extreme Rules and then you're in Philly. That is synonymous with obviously ECW and whatnot. And I'm not saying like, yes, I think a lot of the more extreme things are days of yore unless you're GCW. Um, you know, so I get it, you know, whatever, but like to Jim's credit, it was a strap match and it was the most boring strap match I've ever seen. Like if they want to build killer, Cro sorry, cause he was killer cross in the Indies carrying cross as this just monster, he should have hung Drew McIntyre. He should have beat him yes. senseless with the strap. Absolutely. Tied up his feet and just punched whatever. Use the strap as a weapon and do, and I get with the choking and thing and that they've got, <laughs> they've had a bad history of that. And I understand that, but like. You could have done something. You could have done something to make Cross look absolutely terrifying. And like you said, you know, because like McIntyre is huge. He is bigger than he is. Like, I just my God. But even I wasn't even overly impressed with McIntyre. Like, okay, well, you know, if you're going to be this, if if this is the psychopath, then you have to be the big brute or something. And like, I didn't even get that. It was just literally. This just felt like we got 20 minutes to kill. <laughs> It was so boring. And like nah. for Tom's credit, that, that audience was dead as a doornail. And I don't know if it's because of the, the live um, Ronda match that preceded it, but like 
I can't remember a time where I was like, holy smokes, will this end? Please, will this end? Yeah. And, you know, and then again, to Jim's credit, Mace, Mace yeah, really? Mace. Like, that would have been a perfect example. Throw him over the top rope and hang him. Like, and he's not going to let go. Call the match. Like, you know what I mean? Or something. And, or, like, or hang him over the top rope, then Mace him. Something that is just absolutely deplorable. They, no. And now you're getting saved by your wife twice. Like, I, I get it. I, I using the smoke show. I get it. All that fun. The damsel in distress, but they're not even doing that right. Like, yeah, he carrying cross to like over the top decked him or something. You know what I mean? Nothing. Like it just. Any, I can. I just boring. He, I was so bored with that match. One, one, one thing I'd like to chime in here real quick with this is that I think if they were going to make carrying cross truly effective. It shouldn't have been against a guy who was taller than him. It should have been like a ricochet or uh, – because I kept thinking about how they could have like truly booked him as a monster and he could have – they could have even – even if they would have stole from AEW where you had Brody King, you know, choking Darby out and the way that Darby hung there. That's what we needed to see and I totally agree with you. I think it's spot on is that they needed a smaller guy to work with him to to fully show that he is this monster and not this like – weird monster chicken shit you like it's just i don't know it's not working well, already and i think it's to jim's credit that's the thing is like if you watch his run in impact he was when he was like he was austin aries like assassin that was when he was like he dressed, <laughs> yeah. well no like and i i think that's good for him when he dressed up as like a cop and um i don't know if you remember it was a real quick backstage moment where they're like I, it was either he was leading aries away yeah, when he leave cards or i can't remember but it was something where it was like he's just like i'm not a cop and then he beats the guy and i'm like that's what he needs. He needs to be this like assassin, like something like a hired gun leader. or something. Tom's always. Yeah. And it's, but like, and, and, and I think that they just real like, you know, Jim said, Oh man, the six, five guys going up against the six, eight guy. And it was like, it's not working the well, you know, as well as we thought it would. So I think they got to kind of course correct and, and figure it out to make him scarier. Cause like, that was uh, just, yeah. God, that was boring. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Well, to, to continue the uh, the train of greatness, uh, we're going to the Raw women's title. Bianca versus Bailey in a ladder match. Tom, I know you love, you're a big Bailey fan. Uh, what, what did you think of the Bianca Bailey match? Uh, I am not a big Bailey fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love Bianca Belair. Uh, it was, you know. It's hard to it's hard to get a crowd back on your side after it's been, you know, uh, killed by two guys who you think were going to kill it, but they just killed the crowd. Um, it was all right. I mean, this is this is months of story there that that's going to continue to build. Um, I was really nervous. Uh, Jim texted us, uh, "How great would it be if the White Rabbit was Charlotte Flair?" And I was like. Oh well, he spoke it into existence, so now it's a thing. And um, I was just like waiting for her to come out. I was like, "Oh God, here we go!" Uh, but it didn't happen. Um, I mean, it was okay. It was okay match. Uh, nothing too great, uh, honestly. It kind of looked like, um, you know, I'm no wrestler, I but um, looked a little. Bailey looked a little rusty, a little bit. Um, she kind of looked like she was a little nervous to take some of those bumps. Um, again, who wouldn't be? It's a it's a fucking ladder. So uh, landing on those, I can't imagine uh, feeling too good. But I don't know where they're going to go. I'm sure Bailey's going to get the title at some point. Um, it's just a continuation story. So, I mean, it was all right. For what it was, it was okay. It was good filler. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, nothing. I, I think it was just honestly 
I was two matches in a row where I was like, good God, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I'm not saying like, I, I like, I like Bianca. My, uh, my wife, Caitlin actually um, was, was obvious, like weirdly vocal. And she's like, give her a chance. And I was like, Oh, cause I, I just didn't, I thought the whole, you know, I'm sporty and athletic and I'm mean gimmick. It's just like, okay, love it. Tessa Blanchard's had that. Um, Charlotte Flair's had like, all right, boring. But then when she, I don't know, she's just, she's kind of grown on me and that she is very, very physical and very athletic. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to say like, not green, but like she's growing on me. You know, I think it's, it's like, I can see her go and, Bailey is just, I don't get it. I've never been, you know, I, I liked her as a, I liked her as a face. I thought um, the, the whole Bailey, the hugger thing, I thought that was fun. Like, and, and she had great pops and whatnot. And I just, I don't know the idea to turn her heel. Um, I don't think she's incredibly great. Like she's basically kind of turning into like a mean girl, which is like, okay, like, you're not really a villain or a bad person. Like you're just, you're just kind of a shithead. Like it's just, eh. and like, I don't, I don't, yeah. Like I don't get putting her with EO to whatever her name is now. I'm not a big fan of Dakota Kai. And it just, eh. and like, I feel like even with um, Bianca Belair, Alexa bliss and, and um, Oscar, like doesn't make any sense. And like, okay, it's filler, I think. And, and I think they're going to, they could carry this for a while, but, Eh, like okay you know i think we, we we could all be in agreement on this though i love it when she heckles michael cole it is one of my yes. it's one of my favorite things absolutely. what absolutely oh gosh absolutely. I, I, I want that as my ringing at michael cole what'd you say jim i want that as my ringtone just her talking shit to michael cole <laughs> it makes me so fucking the best <laughs> yeah that's that's fun but like other than that like Eh, like all right you know like i yeah. i to me it felt like it was very on par with the opening match with the brutes yep. and imperium or yeah the brutes and imperium where it was just like okay it's filler let's keep pushing bel-air you know as you should and yeah but other than that like eh, nothing i you know wasn't blown away yeah yeah i'll say that the the whole bianca belair oscar alexa bliss grouping is it's it's classic WWE women's booking of like uh, you guys you're a weirdo um, so that that I don't like I will say of the of the match itself I thought they did a good job I, I thought yeah. uh, I think Bailey does really well in Extreme Rules matches right I mean she had a she had a fantastic uh, ladder match with with uh, uh, Sasha before uh, I think Bailey's good I like Bailey I think Bailey's talented I think Bianca is talented. I will say the ending of the match is going to give me nightmares for a long fucking time. Uh, just as a refresher, uh, Bianca gave a KOD to Bailey while Bailey was holding half of a ladder. Mm-hmm. And rather than the ladder landing across Bailey's chest, it kind of landed across her face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God. Uh, that made me very, very uncomfortable watching that. Um, I'm going to see that in slow motion in my mind for a long time. But no, I, I, yeah, I don't think it was, you know, best match of the night, but I also don't think it was shits either. It was it was a good it was a good match. Um, I hope the storyline keeps moving forward, because honestly, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with either one of them after this. I don't know where Bianca goes from here or Bailey goes from here, other than just to keep fighting each other. So I, I think this is a good match if this is going to be a series. Uh, but yeah, I, the, that finish just gave me nightmares. I think uh, last thing I want to I touch on this is that I think. Uh, this is kind of the 
when to, to go back way back, obviously, to talking about Tony Khan, I think this is uh, a saving grace for Tony Khan is that we have all these wrestlers who were let go of WWE. Now we're all like stoked that they're back. And now we're like, it's that like, oh, oh man, it's great. Oh, now what? Like, I'm glad they're back, but what are we going to do with them? And how are we going to do it? So I think that's Tony Khan can sneak in and, and that's that's how he can – I think fix some of the wrongs in AEW, but I, I digress. Well, but I mean, I think it goes back to what Jim said. It's, it's just the WWE, and this is, I think, we're seeing the, I think we're seeing the end of the Vince McMahon storyline era and whatnot, because I, for as much as I can't stand WWE right now, to Jim's point, they're great storytellers, and they do That's know how to, I mean... You know, whether it's I know they're they're it's they're beating a dead horse with the Roman Reigns thing, but that's been two years now. I mean, look at it. That's two years. Thousand days. You know, that's ins- yeah. that's insane. And like that's of the modern era. That's crazy. Um, you know, um, but that's the thing. And as I think that they're getting to the point now where they're bringing people back and these Vince storylines are ending and it's like, OK, now what do uh-huh. we do? We got to we got to figure out how we're going to transition this. And because and, and, you can definitely tell you can see where Paul to Paul G Triple H, um, good brother, Paul. Paul, oh, you know Paul, Paul of X. Good buddies. No, um, we're he's starting to make his influence, but you can still tell there's some heavy vents. They're like, oh, yeah. we've just got to let these run its course because we can't just you know nah, drop it and you know all this and that. Like I think um, I know we're going to talk about this, but like the Riddle Rollins thing, I think is was a Vince. Um, it, that's got Vince written all over it. You can tell, and I think that they're trying to end that to get oh boy. to get Rollins back. Um, I think that man deserves a title run. Um, I, I love it, and whatever. But the quicker Riddle goes away is fine with me. But anyway, so anyway, that's what I wanted to say. But um, no, I think um, uh, not the best transition, but that leads into the the I Quit match with Finn Balor and Edge. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, that to me was... That was match of the night. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, that's and why I'm like, well... I was like, after the end of that, like, you could see the ending coming a mile away where right. I was like, okay, oh, yeah. here, as soon as Beth Phoenix got in the ring, I was like, okay, I can see what's happening here. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. But, like, not bad, actually. Like, I was like, not bad, Edge and Finn Balor. But, I mean, you also have... Not that I'm a big... I've never been a big Edge guy. Um... But I think you can definitely tell he's his clock's winding down, and he's like, you know what, I I'm gonna put some guys over, and I I applaud him for that, um, you know, because I think Finn is another guy that is now that Vince is gone, um, deserves another shot. I mean, for God's sakes, he was the first Universal Champion, and yeah, it sucks he got hurt, but that guy was you could he was they were gonna push him and stuff, and I think it was just that was the Vince. Oh, he's, he's small and he gets hurt. Nah. You know, and and he went on that just god awful run of nonsense. But um, you know, I, I I thought it was really good. I you know, again, I'm not the biggest edge guy, but it worked. I thought you know, it's okay. It's putting the judgment day over as as a bad group of people. I not still not sure where they're going with this whole Dominic thing. I don't not really my favorite. Um, but like, okay, sure, I'll bite. You know, but as long as. If I can get stuff like that with with Edge and Finn, I'm in. Like I thought that was it was well told, well wrestled. Um, and sure, I'll bite. I'll see where this is gonna go. You know, like you messed with a man's wife. What, what's gonna happen now? And you know, I'll. I, you know what? It's. I think Beth has got one more in her. I'd like to see a Beth Rhea Ripley. You know, two oh, hell yeah. two two glamazons, as we'll say. You know, just beating the shit out of each other. I'm in. You know, and it's. I, I'm not sure where Priest fits into it. I. I I don't know where he, who they could match him up with, but like, I so far so good. You know, I don't know. What do you guys think? I I think that 
what's next is going to be Edge and Beth against Rhea and Finn. I think that's the next match in the sequence. Uh, I think they've been wanting to do that. I, I think it'll work. I think it'll be really great. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll mark out for it. But no, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a really good storytelling match. Um, I thought there was a lot of good peaks and valleys, a lot of good back and forth, uh, a lot of good switchbacks. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I really did. And, you know, I, I'm with you 100%. I don't know what the fuck is up with Dominic. Like, where do you, where do you go with him? You know, eventually, you the only payoff you can have with the Dominic shit is he's got to fight Ray. But Ray has been very vocal about the fact that he does not want to wrestle Dominic. He doesn't he doesn't want to do that. So I just I don't know where the hell he can go with the Dominic stuff. But, you know, Damian Priest, I think, is is a, a great talent. And I think he's got a really good future ahead of him. Um, I don't, I think he's just going to be kind of a background player in this story for a bit, uh, which isn't, which isn't terrible, you know, but I, I think, I think that's going to be good for him in the long run. Um, I, yeah, I agree with you guys both, uh, again, uh, <laughs> but like I match of the night for me, for sure. Um, I think what I'd, I'd personally like to see Finn Balor do a little bit. I want to see him. And of course I'm sure a bunch of eye rolls will, will occur, but like, I kind of want him, I want to see him as like the bullet club Finn Balor. And I want to see him be that, like he has it in him. And cause we've all seen it when he was over in new Japan, but like he can take it up to being just like next level, just shithead heel. Like, um, I, and I would like to see him do that. I think right now we're in that transition of kind of like, he's like the heel joke kind of bad guy. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know what on earth they're doing with Dominic Mysterio. I do kind of like the – and they, they haven't come out right and said it, that he's looking very Eddie Guerrero-esque. Uh, and I'm I'm waiting for them to be like, you know, I did research of my own and guess whose kid I really belong to. I could see that going. That just – I, I feel like McMahon was headed there and Triple H is going, hey, well, hey, let's, let's, let's bring it back here for a minute, guys. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would totally mark out for – uh, Beth Edge and Finn and uh, Rhea. I think it's going to be phenomenal, and I think the group, uh, if they continue their push, I think you've got a good, a good stable, a good, uh, a good world or world heavyweight, whatever WWE champion, Intercontinental champ, US champion. The, the whole group just spells it out right there. So, I, I sky's the limit for those guys. I think we're going to see some really good stories come out of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, at the end of the day, Beth and Edge against. Uh, Finn and Rhea guaranteed to be better than Beth and Edge against Miz and Maurice. Uh, now hold on a second. You can only go up. You can only go up from there. Hey man. Hey. Cool well, on well, Maurice. Hold on okay? a second, Jim. Let's <laughs> not say some respect on Maurice's yeah. name. <laughs> oh yeah. How did you guys? How did you guys like the Miz uh, fighting the Philly Flyer? Right? Is that his name? This is I'm. I'm. You know, he's uh, gr- uh, gr- uh, gr- uh, gritty. Gritty. Yeah. yeah. Well, the most terrifying spot on the planet. Personally, my match of the night. Fantastic. Yeah, I have no idea where they're going with that. That like, I am completely lost. Like, and it's like nothing. They're not even given like. Okay, I think that's the point. I think Triple H is going. Dexter, you just be you. Go, go, do whatever you want to go do. <laughs> well, but the, the, there's no go rape my Like, like yeah. why is he here? Who sent him? Why is he going after the like? It's just, and I'm I'm all for it. Like, I mean, I'm like, okay, but it, it, no, there's not even a cookie crumb, like, to where I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, well, and that's, that is part of the speculations going around right now, too, with the whole Wyatt Six thing is that if Dexter Loomis is part of the Wyatt Six, 
that would make sense because remember, you know, Bray Wyatt had a thing with the Miz, you know, and uh, you know, uh, so yeah, that there's speculation that Loomis is part of the Bray Wyatt tie-in as well. Interesting, um, I love it. I, like, like I said, you, like I said when we were watching it, I texted you guys. I really hope they elaborate on this whole Dexter Loomis raped the Miz thing because <laughs> that 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 story needs a fucking conclusion. And they laid it on real thick that that's what happened. I think we need to go somewhere with this. I think I think I responded definitely. I was like, when you were like, they, I think he's no, he's straight up. I'm pretty sure he's fucked the Miz at no. some point. Like, <laughs> like I mean, it's clear as day for. God's sake, like what is happening? Like oh, yeah, he totally fucked. But me. that's what I'm saying. But that's where I'm like, what where are they going with this? Like <laughs> um okay, I, I guess, but I I don't know. Maybe that's a, a good lead-in for for I guess the, the the latch match of the night was where are they going with this? Speaking um, of going nowhere. It, yes, <laughs> that fight pit, the fight pit match between Riddle and Rollins was just uh I well, boy, I have a. I just want to talk, and I'm going to be a piece of shit here. Um, boy, did Daniel Cormier not look good? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. They're 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 hyping the shit. They're going to hype the shit out of him and Brock. They were doing it. They planted the seed years ago. And again, take it. This, by the way, for anybody who are five people who listen to this. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fat piece of shit. Like I, I will go out and say it myself. I am not the epitome of like a good looking dude, but boy, I was, I, I thought the, that Cor- Cormier came out to, he was going to be kind of strong as a ref. And then they're going to maybe allude to like some Brock stuff. But I think once, unfortunately, once he showed up to the arena, they were like, Oh, Oh, you go do you buddy. And like, it, like it was completely pointless to have the guy in there to begin with. Uh, I mean, he was like, I think um, they, I think Seth legitimately got mad at one point and was like, count Daniel, count. And Daniel was like, uh, what? Uh, like looking all over. <laughs> um, it, Jim, you and I, you and I were talking about it too. It's, it's the same shit, like the Punjabi prison match, the, the fight pit that, you know, you know, where these spots are headed, you know, somebody's going to get up there. Somebody's going to do something stupid. Uh, I, I, I 100% agree with Mike. I think this was Triple H going, well, this was Vince's story and we're just going to, this is how it's going to go. And we're done. Um, it was bad. I, I'm there's no bones about it. It was bad. It was not a good match. Well, and the DC thing, as soon as he walked out, I'm like, Oh, there's the difference between walking around weight and fighting weight. <laughs> you know, I mean, his entire, his entire career, both as a collegiate, you know, wrestler and as a UFC fighter, there is a world of difference between what your body looks like in, in fight camp and what your body looks like three weeks after the fight. Yes. And DC hasn't been getting ready for fight camp in a while. So he was not looking fantastic. Um, no, the match itself was just, it was terrible. It was, it was there. I didn't enjoy any of it. Um, I didn't like uh, Seth Rollins doing the RVD thing. Yeah, you're in Philly, but fuck you. Uh, yeah. You know, when, when, when Seth Weird. Rollins does his usually when he does his costumes that are an homage to a previous wrestler, it's because it's part of the story angle. Mm-hmm. RVD has nothing to do with this fucking story. Leave leave his name out your mouth, right? That bo- that bothered <laughs> me to begin with, right, right out of the gate. But then, and I, you know, I tested this to you guys too. That triangle at the end looked legit. 
because if you when you want i mean triangles in pro wrestling they've been using them for a while now but every time you see a triangle in a match the the ankles are crossed right so it's not mm-hmm. fully locked in so you get the illusion but you're not actually doing damage to your opponent riddle had it all the way in his foot was locked into his knee that looked like a legit triangle like a shoot triangle at the end there uh and either they figured out a way to do it without actually putting seth rollins to sleep and that's amazing that's really cool that's gonna set the game forward or matt riddle was like i'm tired of this shit <laughs> was gonna was gonna put seth rollins to sleep legit I, I don't know which is which but it looked it looked like a real fucking triangle there there was a there were some few reports that i was reading that uh it sounds like they the two legit have some pretty personal beef and and we're, we're seeing it kind of being blurred uh, a little bit um the one move I noticed the most and you could hear it and it did sound it legit sounded like maybe Seth Rollins broke a rib is when uh Matt Riddle jumped off the top and I was that was a I held my breath and I was like oh somebody's gonna get hurt and it was just like whammo and I was just like oh I think I think he might have killed Seth Rollins I honestly, my first reaction was, there goes his tailbone. Yeah. Right? A fucking God. Denton? I, I was like, Ooh. Riddle's tailbone is in fucking 16 pieces right now. There's no way his tailbone is not fucking broken. And the look on his face, he wasn't selling. He was legitimately yelling in pain. Yeah, all, all those dudes were like, oh, there's that's real injury right there. <laughs> I don't have to try. It just fucking hurts. Like, yeah, it was it was not to me. It was not. I mean, I, I hope it's the end. I hope they move on. And they already announced Please that on not. Monday. Yeah, they already announced on Monday that Rollins is getting a shot at the U.S. title. He's, he's fighting Lashley. So let's hope this can move forward. Let's hope they can be done with it, because uh, I just enough is enough. There's no new ground being broken here. It's just get it. Just stop. Like you said, it's you know, this was a Vince storyline. You've seen it through to completion. Both guys have gotten a win. Let's let's go. Let's move. Yeah, it, it, it's time. It's it's run its course. Uh, and uh, and and to to end the pay per view, we finally get to see who the White Rabbit is. The best the best setup and release of a character I've I've probably ever seen. Yep. In the most so fucking what kind of way, right? It, you know, it's like as as a standalone. That was beautiful. That was wonderfully done. That was brilliantly executed. But for what? Yeah. <laughs> now what? Now, <laughs> I, now where do we go from here? The one. The one thing I have to say about this is is uh, when I was uh, talking about it earlier. But I mean, we're partial to Chicago because we're close to Chicago. I love Chicago, but God damn, do I love a Philly crowd? They mm-hmm. made their presence known once. Why they they knew it was why. I mean, I get I, I a good a good pop gives me goosebumps and I'm getting them right now. And that's exactly it. I was like, Holy shit. Yes. This is what I've been waiting for. I've been avoiding the dirt sheets. And then I was like, yeah, what's he, where, where's he going with this though? Like, <laughs> wait, hold on. Well, cause Roman wasn't on there. So, and it was just kind of like, uh, well, well, huh? Yeah. You bring him out after. And that's like, would just, you know, I, I knew at some point that like, I don't want to say I knew it was Bray Wyatt, but it just, it had to have been Bray Wyatt. Like, I, you, it, come on. Like, it, we all knew it was going to be Bray. And then sure enough, when, you know, I was like, okay, there's five minutes left. He's got to be coming. But like, 
why after Matt Riddle and, and Seth Rollins like that, where I was like, again, wow, that was great. Great, great standalone introduction with the, with, with the, the, the door and the light, like it was great. And I'm like, okay, it's obviously why, but then that's it. Like, um, okay, cool. Like now what, <laughs> um, what's going to happen? <laughs> How great would it have been if it was Jinder Mahal? <laughs> oh boy whatever i i mean you son of a bitch yeah how dare you put that thought into my that's life. that's uh oh. <laughs> that would be like dudley boy level heat and philly oh, that, oh my god yeah that would yeah that would that would be bubba ray screaming at the crowd level uh but no, i like you 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 brought it up mike and and roman wasn't there but Roman is the only one that you can really put Bray in there with, right? Like, you can't have Bray Wyatt against fucking Karrion Cross, right? You can't put Bray Wyatt against Austin Theory, Kinder Mahal, yeah, Austin Theory, right? Like, who the fuck is he going to go up against except for Roman? But Roman wasn't even there. Uh, which is another thing I thought was bizarre is that the bloodline was completely absent from the pay-per-view. They're, they're, they're one of the most invested properties WWE has right now. And they were, there was nothing, yeah. you know, so you have to put Bray versus Roman, but Roman's got this stupid fucking match with Logan Paul coming up. So Rome, so are we just going to have Bray Wyatt sitting around in the back, fucking around and doing vignettes until the Logan Paul match is over? I just, I don't. Honestly, I think so. I mean, he did it. He yeah. did it with the, the Firefly Funhouse. If you remember that, there was a long buildup yeah. for that. Um, and because yeah. even I was like, "What the hell is this?" And then I was like, "Oh, it's Bray Wyatt." Like, and it, you know, and it once he finally came out, and it was worth it. You know, when he, you know, debuted the Fiend on SummerSlam, uh, what a couple of years ago? Oh my God, that was awesome, and whatnot. But again, yeah, it's just like, okay, where are we going with this? It, like, I've heard. Everything from the like the the Wyndham Six or the Cult of Wyndham, you know, um, which would be great. But again, it's just like, well, okay, like, what's next? Yeah, what are you going to have him do? Like, I just so I don't know. It's very interesting to to see what they're going to do with him, um, you know. But I mean, the guy the guy has such a creative mind, so I'm I'm very intrigued to see where they're going to go with it, um, you know. But yeah, I was like, cool. Okay, now what? <laughs> you could have, you could have done that whole presentation, that whole rollout with, but instead of Wyatt just coming through the door and saying "I'm here, go to black," do all of that, and then he says "I'm here, go to black," and then he's in the ring beating the shit out of Roman Reigns. And now you got now it's everything that you did is great, but it's got a payoff. Yeah. We know where it's going from here, and and so that just it was again. Fan fucking tastic. Cannot cannot downplay how amazing that rollout was. I just wish there was more at the end of it. Oh, it was uh, to wonderful. Us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, he should have attacked Cormier at least. You know, something done something. Or Michael Cole. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. If he legit shoot beat the fuck out of Corey Graves, I would have loved that. I would have popped like crazy for that. If he had just appeared behind Corey Graves and literally murdered him, I would have lost my fucking mind with with happiness. That would have been wonderful. Not a, not a big Corey Graves guy? I fucking hate Corey Graves. I don't know if that was obvious or not. <laughs> subtle about it. I fucking hate Corey Graves. Well, 
Well, we have a special treat this week. Spotlight coming to you from our very own Tom. Tom, which legend of the squared circle do we get to hear about? As uh, as we approach Halloween, good brothers, I thought it was fitting to put a spotlight on a really terrifying star. You know, like the real monsters among men of wrestling, the genetic freaks and fiends of wrestling, the animals, the booty men, the giants, wrestlers that have zero fear, ones who may shock you, the clowns who scare you in the dungeons of doom you avoid. Don't take me to Dr. Yankum or give me any mysterious concoctions from Papa Shango, but no one scares me more than the real psycho of wrestling. <laughs> Coming in at a hot six nine foot frame, a chiseled three hundred seventeen pounds. This psycho is a massive man, often dressed in denim and a leather vest. Don't ever tell him he can't go playing softball or have his <laughs> fanny pack. And by God, does he have a shocking, luscious blonde Jerry Curl mullet? Hailing from West Memphis, Arkansas. Better yet, wherever he damn well pleases. That's right, baby. Strap in. Today we're talking about Lord Humongous. Vicious Warrior, Sid Justice, Sid Vicious. He has half the brain that you do. Psycho Sid, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking about the one, the only, Sid, Sidney, Raymond Udy. <laughs> so I want to kick this off with some of his accolades. Some of the things that you gentlemen may not know that this man has accomplished. Obviously, other than the horrific leg injury that he had. He was a six-time world heavyweight champion, a United States champion. He was a tag team champion. Uh, he had comeback of the year in 1996. In 1999, he was ranked as 16 in singles of the uh, in singles competition for the PWI. And he also, little known fact, helped Harlem Heat get into WCW. However, in 1990, he was voted worst match of the year. 93, he was voted most overrated wrestler of all time. Uh, also in 93, he was rated as the wrestlers, uh, a wrestling fan reader's least favorite wrestler. And 1999, he has the amazing uh, accomplishment of being one of the worst ever to be in an interview. And one of my favorite, uh, uh, one of my favorite facts about Psycho Sid is that he would often skip WWE house shows to play in softball tournaments. Uh, he got his start. He was actually cornered by Lanny. Uh, if you don't know who Lanny Poffo is, that is the macho man, Randy Savage's younger or older brother? Guys? Younger. I think it's younger. Is it younger? Okay, so his younger brother. Uh, they kind of uh, they saw him working out in a gym and were basically like, you have the physique of a god and you need to go into wrestling. And Sid was like, you know what? You're right. Can I still play softball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost some time for my softball, guys. Quick question. Where do you guys stand on fanny packs? <laughs> okay, okay, then I'm in. I'm in. All right. Yeah, I'm in. Well, so you're going to get your juice, brother? Put him right in. <laughs> uh, and so he, uh, he actually uh, does the right thing and he goes to a wrestling school and he's trained by um, – Oh, it's cut off is uh, Tojo. Uh, boy, I had it in my notes. Now it's gone, but I'll have to. There's a reason everybody just calls him Tojo. <laughs> yeah, Tojo. Uh, what was his name? Tojo. Oh, man. Oh, I know who you're talking. I can't. But anyway, so Yudi makes his debut. Uh, he teams with Austin Idol. Uh, he wrestles with uh, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, Jerry Lawler. These are some of the names that he uh, 
he, he breaks into the business with. Um, in 1987, under a mask, which I think really he, we need a lot of people to go by Lord Humongous. I really want a <laughs> resurgence of Lord Humongous. So he in uh, 1987, he's wrestling for Continental Championship Wrestling uh, under Lord Humongous. Uh, on Christmas Day in 1987, he wins the NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Championship. Uh, that's a mouthful. Uh, he is, uh, he's, apparently he was friends with Shane Douglas. So there you go. Uh, say what you will about that. Uh, he, 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 he kind of flirts, uh, with, uh, and, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I think at one point he kind of, I don't know if it's Noah, but he does, he kind of, he, at this point he's like getting his feet wet and he's going all over. Uh, and then in, uh, the big, uh, big resurgence of Sid is in 1989. He is half of the skyscrapers. Any, do you guys know who was in that tag team? Oh, I sure do. Danger Dan Spivey, baby. Damn right. And managed by who, Teddy Long. Yeah. Do you know who? <laughs> do you know who replaced it? It was uh, Mean Mark oh, Callis. Mean Mark Callis. Mean Mark Callis. Yeah, yeah Callis. Oh, nice. Yep. And uh, he was uh, managed by none other than uh, uh, Teddy Long. I believe he was Theodore Long at the time. Yep. <laughs> Some of his uh, notorious feuds in this tag team for the skyscrapers were uh, the Steiner brothers and the Road Warriors. Uh, during this time, Sid breaks a rib and punctures his lung, which, by the way, you'll find this actually quite common in Sid's career. Is that uh, did, you, did you ever see real quick? So, did you ever see the match? It's making the rounds lately again. It was it was the Twin Towers. It was Sid and Spivey beating the ever loving shit out of a guy who wouldn't sell. He just ref- like every fucking time they hit him, he just bounce right back up and shake. And so after the match, Spivey, it's Spivey's trying to kill this motherfucker. Yeah, right. There's no reason about it. Spivey's trying to get like you can see Sid is like. Do, do we hit him? Yeah, I put that in my notes. I was going to ask you guys if you've seen the the they just unload on this poor guy. Yeah. Um. So he leaves. I believe he's in he's in some southern territory at this point, and he leaves because he's injured. Uh, in 1990, 1991, Sid finds himself in World Championship Wrestling. Uh, following his recovery from his broken rib, uh, Yudi was uh, introduced on the May 11th, 1999 edition of NWA Power Hour as the newest member of, and boy, I, I thought this was fake when I was researching this. He was a part of the Four Horsemen. Yes, he was. Probably the most, like, wh- huh? <laughs> Him? So, so it was Sin and Paul Roma. Those are the two most like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, I was like, no, this can't be real. And I think it was like at the time, and I'm and, and it was funny, I almost started laughing when you guys mentioned the scissoring incident, which I will get to. Uh, oh, he almost murdered somebody? He almost murders Arn Anderson. But at this time, Ric Flair, from what I understand, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson are kind of like, let's throw this kid a bone because he's a good muscle. And uh, he, so he's the muscle of the Four Horsemen and uh, – this is, and I shit you not, you can go on YouTube and watch this. As a counter to Sid, Sting brings out none other than RoboCop. <laughs> this is why I love professional wrestling, is <laughs> RoboCop, because why not? Um, RoboCop, Sid. Yeah, that's an equal pairing. Yeah, <laughs> right? Totally. I mean, when I think of, you know, classic fights, I'm like, Sid Vicious versus uh, RoboCop. 
<laughs> so in October of 1990, uh, Sting is defending the title against Sid Vicious at a Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. Um, uh, sorry, you can cut that. Um, and then stuff happens. Yeah, a bunch of shit happens. So in 1990, during, I believe, 1991, uh, Sid is also, this is, he's getting a reputation of being kind of not the best to work with. Um, and I believe at one point, this is the, and Jim, you, you feel free guys to jump in. Um, this is where he gets into an altercation with Brian Pillman. And he grabs a squeegee and threatens to beat him up with it. And uh, this is, again, mind you, before he almost murdered somebody. And the reason – his reasoning behind it, uh, I guess that uh, Brian Pillman, according to Sid Vicious – or Sid Udy, my man Sid Vicious, um, was that Brian Pillman was kind of like bitching as it, like too much about being on the road. And Sid was like, shut up. I'm tired of you complaining. And then it got so bad that there is – again, you can find footage of it. He – pretty much dumps Pillman on his head uh, during war games. And he 100%, it is a total truth to Sid uh, is that he was like, yeah, I wanted to shut the, shut the guy up. And I just dropped him on his head to prove a point that I could Uh, again, uh, Pillman. And of course uh, management see this and they're like, "Uh, not the best way to do that, Sid, not the best way. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, because of, uh, almost killing, uh, Brian Pillman and paralyzing him, uh, Sid's last match in WCW is against giant Gonzalez in a stretcher match, losing to him in a two minute squash match. Uh, as WCW starts trying to focus, woof, uh, giant Gonzalez as their top heel. Uh, so in 1991, so you're going to get uh, a recurring theme here with Sid is he bounces around a lot between WCW and WWF in the nineties. So in 91, he comes back to in May 28th, 1991, he makes his WWF debut in an untelevised segment attacking the Mountie. Um, <laughs> he pairs himself up with Ted DiBiase during this. Um, and it is, he shows up to help macho man fend off Jake Roberts in one of the greatest wedding debacles of all time. Um, <laughs> and then uh, during during his first run with WWF, he injures his bicep and he's forced to miss the Survivor Series pay-per-view. Uh, Sid returns sometime in February, appears on Brutus the Barber Beefcake's Barbershop segment, where he goes completely bananas <laughs> and uses a chair to destroy the barbershop. Uh, and I didn't know that this was actually the last – barbershop vignette ever recorded which oh, i mean what for you Sid. what a way to go out there yeah Sid goes out with a bang have you, know? you have you guys ever seen that video where he does destroy it and, and the shaving cream explodes yeah. on his face and he legit looks like he's out of control <laughs> it's so great you, you you beat me to it my friend oh, man. he he hits it he goes he takes a steel chair and he just goes absolutely ape shit in there and i, I they don't I guess he didn't realize that the props were actually real and he like catches it with a corner and it just ignites in his face. And I think it's like out of embarrassment. He's just, he's like, he's like screaming. it's like almost inaudible. And you're like, this guy is amazing. It's like, it's I love Sid. <laughs> so um, this is also uh, at this time, Sid is kind of uh 
Hogan is, or I can't remember. Somebody's pushing for Sid, and Hogan's like, absolutely not. This dude's crazy. <laughs> uh, and we get one of the weirdest uh, shoot work endings in WWF. This is the very first time I feel like that you'll see the. Um, it starts to blur reality of like, oh wait, he wasn't supposed to kick out out oh, of that. Uh, so he kicks out of, um, I believe in the Royal Rumble, he kicks out of uh, Hogan. Hogan's leg drop. Harvey Whippleman is making a big ruckus and they disqualify him. It's very confusing. Everybody's got like, everyone's like, what is going on? Well, there's um, some, there is so like, cause everybody I've heard and I've never really gotten to the bottom of it, but I've heard that there's like, it's multiple things actually. Like it is, it was like Hogan told Sid to kick out because someone, because Shango was late or something or missed. Yeah. Papa Shango was supposed to do a run in. And yeah. suppose, that's cause that was when the ultimate warrior came back and then Shogun down. It's like, Oh, he's late. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, well, no, that's like when that was the one where it's, it's a great pop when warrior shows back up and he does that like thing and he runs the ropes and clotheslines oh, yeah. Shango. It's great. But like a lot of people are like it, the rumor going around was that, Oh, it was Sid. It was Sid, but no, Sid was like, we're, he's running late. Like we got to do something. And then that's when either Hogan told him to kick out or he kicked out. And that's why Harvey Wimbledon jumps up because it was like, you don't kick out of the leg drop. And it was like, it. so I, I don't know. I still don't really know what the true story is. Jim, I don't know if you've ever heard much of that, but like it was. Yeah. As I say, I, I heard exactly what you just said is that Papa Shango was supposed to run down. Uh, but it was a long ass fucking rampway, which they used to do back in the day. And Papa Shango was late on the run in. And so they had to, they had to call an audible and figure it out on the fly. And that's why it's such a sloppy finish, uh, is because, yeah, it's, is that the, the story, the only more that I heard of the story is that Charles Wright, Papa Shango, Godfather, uh, was just chilling in the back and he was supposed to have a cue. Somebody was supposed to tell him forgot. when it was time to, yeah. And nobody cued him. And so he was like, Fuck! <laughs> I, I just had it in my mind that he was like, he's got his feet propped up, but in like full Papa Shango yeah. makeup, like eating a cheeseburger and being like, and like, like somebody being like, Shango, where are you? And he's like, dude, 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 dude. like, I just did a ditch in the burger. And, oh my God. You forgot your spooky hat. And he's like, I gotta go. He's like flirting with Sonny. And he's like, so anyway, after the match, like by the water cooler. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's like, like just that's that's the gag is that he's in his pool. Yeah, it's like somebody just walks by. Hey, Pop, aren't you supposed to be somewhere? Oh shit! And he just he just goes. Wait, what time? Is it? No, I got fifteen. Oh my god! <laughs> so oh, actually, I, I have heard that I did read up on the uh, Shango that he was he was late, but I also. Some sources, of course, this is hearsay if it's not coming from the, the, the guys themselves. But I've heard that uh, or read that one of the big reasons was that Sid failed a drug test and we're like, like hours before the pay-per-view. And they're like, well, shit, we have nobody to compete with this. So you're just going to go and you're going to you're going to lose. And of course, I'm sure Sid was like, yeah, sure. No, no problem, brother. Of course, I'll take the I'll take the job. Um, and I think he was he was pissed off. And actually. It's during this time uh, in 1993, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, is that this is where stories are coming out that he's actually like, like really excited to pursue a professional softball career. And he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to, I just want to hit some dingers, you know? <laughs> he, well, he was, so it was, so it actually, it wasn't Royal Rumble, it was WrestleMania. And I guess he was supposed to oh, have a big feud with warrior because he's like, you stuck my nose. In. Yeah, actually, but he failed the drug test and then mm-hmm. apparently wanted to go. <laughs> so, 
softball. So that's why it was Papa Shango versus the Ultimate Warrior. That whole not yeah. that goofball thing, but like, God, I love Sid Vicious. Oh my God, I love. Oh, this it, gets, man. it gets better. Hold on. Oh it my gets God. Better. So in 1993, he returns to WCW, and it is very brief. Um, he's it's a very he's just kind of thrown in there. Um, and this, by the way, if people have forgotten, this is he is thrown into the Shockmaster uh, debacle. So, which is amazing if you ever watch one of the, one of the greatest botches of all time is uh, watching the Shockmaster just fall flat on his face. Um, he falls flat on his face, and I believe Ric Flair goes, "Oh my god, oh god, he ruined it." Davy Boy's reaction to that was the best. Davy, because Davy Boy's standing there next to Sting, and you can hear Davy Boy go, "Davy Boy, go, he fell flat on his arse." Great. So during during this '93 run, this <coughs> is, um, and sources are unsure about where it actually happened. Some have said, Jim, like you alluded to earlier, that it happened on a plane or it happened in a hotel room. Uh, at some point over the UK tour in October, Udi and Anderson, Arn Anderson, get involved in a very physical altercation where reportedly Sid or Sid was stabbed twenty some times no, by Arn. It was Our Arn is stabbed like over 20 times. Sid stabbed four with a pair of scissors. Um, a lot is like running wild backstage. I guess there's like rumors about how much the two like hate each other. Um, but a lot of it, a lot of the reports that I read was that Sid was the antagonist. Apparently Sid was like talking shit to Arn Anderson and Arn was getting, uh, you know, uh, very fed up and just, they, they, Fisticuffs ensued, and he ultimately ended up stabbing Arn. Uh, during this time, it's it's now Sid is being cited as sometimes being very difficult to work with, uh, and uh, again, uh, a lot of people uh, cite that yeah, he is a little stiff in the ring, he's a little mean. But a lot of people are like getting at this point in '93 and the stabbing incident. WCW is like, okay, dude, you you got to figure out your softball career here first of all, <laughs> and you just stabbed a guy, you're done. And they they basically. Uh, ship him off and uh, he says that it, it depends on what you read he says that he resigned from WCW WCWC, WCW says that they, they fired him um, it's during this time in 94-96 he's hitting the uh, indies real big he, he's wrestling for the United States Wrestling Association nothing memorable here he wins a couple of the heavyweight championships uh, it's 95-97 Sid is back in the WWF baby uh, February 20th, he, uh, shows up as Shawn Michaels bodyguard along with, uh, Jenny McCarthy. Um, uh, during this time, uh, this is where he wins the two, uh, WWF titles, which is crazy by the way. And I want you guys to chime in. Uh, he wins against Michaels and Bret Hart. Yep. Like talk about doing a job. Like, <laughs> holy crap. Like. Um, and then, um, it, obviously, he has two stellar, amazing runs with the championship. He doesn't. Ultimately, nobody is very impressed that he's back. He's more trouble than he's worth. In 1997, um, again, everyone's really upset about the softball. Uh, in 97, he loses uh, – I believe he loses the belt to Undertaker uh, in his farewell match. Um, I believe it's WrestleMania, uh, which the only um, – Really funny takeaway from uh, is he craps his pants on TV. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, punk. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but I, I guess he, he, he leaves. This is where he leaves willingly. He cited that he had like a neck injury that was bothering him for a while. He disappears. 98, 99, he, he shows up on ECW, <laughs> which is like, you know, God bless Paul Heyman for really trying to see things that nobody sees. And he's like, apparently he promised him the moon, but who didn't Paul Heyman promise that to? Um, during this time, he's like, he wants to make Sid the face of ECW which is amazing. Uh, but Sid, I guess, is a money guy. And he was like, no, thank you. You can't pay me what I'm worth. I'm out of here. Uh, and then 1999 to 2001, this is where we get Sid one more time in WCW. Uh, this is the golden years of Sid, in my opinion. Uh, Sid fused with uh, Bill Goldberg during this time. And Sid has some of the best character acting oh I have God. ever seen. Dad, have you... I saw that that came up the other day and I meant to send it to you guys and I totally forgot, but it was the, the, like the greatest piece. It was like, never forget the greatest piece of acting ever. Yeah. And it's when he comes out and he's on his car. <laughs> I could just listen to him. Goldberg! Goldberg! And then, which is, he just, and then he like jumps up and down on the car, but he just complete he just keeps yelling Goldberg. And <laughs> Um, the best is if I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, if you guys didn't forget the, the next week following, he, he comes out and the car's a wreck again, but this time he switches up and he goes, why me? Why me? <laughs> he pulls a Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and oh my gosh, Sid, then I, I believe actually this is, this is beforehand. This is, this is the peace de la resistance if you will about Sid uh, Justice he feuds with Hall and Nash where he cuts one of the most unintentional hysterical promos uh, ever uh, and Nash by the way is also equally hilarious as he's dressed as like Sid but like a caveman he's got Sid so, mascot, yeah. Sid comes out and he's cutting a promo and, and he's like in his mind you can see the wheels turning you can see Sid being like Oh, I'm going to lay it on thick. This is great. And I and I quote, gentlemen, but you know and I know that you're half the man that I am and I have half the brain that you do. <laughs> Island. Cut to Hall and Nash who are laughing their asses off in the ring. And then I'm, I'm not even kidding. If you go back and watch it's Scott, it. It's Scott Hall. Watch Scott Hall's face. He like leans over to Kevin Nash and is just like – Oh my God! Do you realize what he just said? And it just, <laughs> how do you not laugh at that? The best part is that I don't know who says it, but you can intentionally hear a guy kind of groan. Uh, uh, he like it's like oh my God, or he's like oh no, Sid. Like in a really, like, it's very like oh what have you what did you just say, dude? Um, and then he follows it with week after week. You come out and make me look like a jackass. Uh, no, Sid. Yeah, you do that yourself. That's, and, that's and not to this, that <laughs> if, if you watch any like shoot interviews he does about it, nobody can really explain why he does it. He's just kind of like, uh, I don't know why. It just kind of blurted out. And he was <laughs> like, I thought I was going to say this like really amazing promo, and I just got kind of like stuck in the way. And well, but like that's the other fun part about it too is when you see when he says it, and before they cut to it's real quick before they cut back to, to Hall and Nash, they the look on his face. <laughs> since <laughs> It's like, just, what did I just do? Like, you can see him just like, 
Oh God, no! What did I just? It's it's, and then they cut, and then they start laughing, and it's just, oh my God! And then we are we are finally given the the final run of uh, uh, of Mr. Sid Udy. Uh, he feuds with Scott Steiner, um, and my God, he this is one of the most horrific injuries of all time. Uh, he jumps off the middle rope, and he, mind you, this is why he's six nine. Mm-hmm. Jumps off with one leg to give him a big boot. And he just – his leg just literally folds underneath him. And it is incredibly difficult to watch. I can't watch it. I, it, I don't know anybody that could. Jim, I, I remember years ago you and I talking about this of how like I distinctly remember the night – the Nitro that – the the night after the pay-per-view on Nitro, Tony Schiavone's like, hey, let's see this one more time. And we're going <laughs> to see the angle. And both of us were like, my God, stop showing this. Yeah. Like, please stop showing it. And and unfortunately, it, it they just did it to get ratings because they knew oh, yeah. they were at the time they were struggling. And you see this horrific injury probably play out on Nitro maybe thirty different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, like and, it was like Faces of Death put on oh, on network television. It was just it was horrific. Yeah. And the it was, oh god, and it I just I could I could picture it in my mind just as clearly now as yep. as when I first saw it. Well, uh-huh. they, they said that, like, not to get too much into it. I mean, re- just the severity of that guy's injury, really. Like, not to discuss it, but, like, they said that, like, thank God he was wearing his boots because, like, he uh, did have a compound fracture, Jesus I guess. Christ. And, like, it, that's it, it punctured his skin, but it, it definitely kept it from getting worse. Yeah. But they said that, like, he, his whole boot, like, his toe turned, like, 90. It's insane. <laughs> like, oh, it is. No, and it's it's nuts. And I yeah, every time I, I'm like, oh, nope, I'll, I'll turn the yep. channel. Like, I can't. Yeah. And, and my, my, but my, and again, I'm not making light of the situation, but, like, Sid claimed that he was told to do that. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I cannot imagine someone in the back being like, hey, you're a 300-pound dude who's, like, eight feet tall. Jump off this rope from, like, seven <laughs> feet in the air. Like, I cannot see a lot. Someone like I could see someone maybe going, okay, do that, but flat back, meaning that like, okay, go for the boot, but land, you know, fall backwards. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're a big dude doing a big drop. Yeah. That'd be cool. Like who <laughs> I, I Just, see my take on it is I sick. think, I think he was probably legit told to do that. And I'm sure because Vince, uh, Vince Russo during this time is just an idiot. And he was probably like, Hey, you know what would look really good if you did this? And Sid probably, I mean, the one time that Sid has a normal thought in his brain is like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm sure it was like, well, well, Mike Awesome can do it. Like all these other big people can probably do it. I'm sure he was probably like pressured into doing it. But who knows? Apparently he, he tried to sue WCW at one point and they threw it out. Um, it takes him three, almost three and a half years to to rehab the leg. Oh yeah, he's nice. pretty much done at this point. He makes like appearances where it's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Psycho Sid," and he's like, maybe chop, boot, power bomb, and that's it. Like he is not doing anything. He was, I, I believe, he was told by doctors that he could never run again, and he was like, "No, I'm going to prove him wrong," and uh, hopefully he did. I mean, he. But I mean, in in twenty uh, in twenty twelve to kind of bring this to an end so we can discuss uh, the legend of uh, Psycho Sid is that 2012 uh, he comes out uh, during Heath Slater's you know I don't know what he's doing one man rock band thing uh, he looks good for you know for, for being out of commission for so long he looks good he does his 
you know, powerbomb. I believe he calls it in the middle of the ring. He's like yells powerbomb. Oh, that is, was like his deal. He would just yell powerbomb. Who's the man? You remember yeah. when he would do that? Uh, and then in, <laughs> I guess in 2017, somebody paid him a ton of money to wrestle and it was a, a nightmare and he, he officially retired. Um, uh, some of these, some of these uh, fun facts about Sid, I just want to throw out here. Uh, apparently, he was very difficult <clears throat> backstage with like children. Bray Wyatt, apparently, because <laughs> you know Bray Wyatt is a rotunda, and uh, uh, apparently he uh, Bray was annoying Sid, and Sid was basically like, "Hey, you little brat, knock it off!" Took a toy and broke it, uh, and Bray Wyatt gave him the middle finger, and I guess Sid just lost it, like. <laughs> Oh, your respect, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I, and reading all this incident, I guess years later, Bray, as Bray Wyatt, uh, like approached him and was basically like, hey, we're going to have some words about this, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is amazing, by the way. Sid, and there's multiple reports, had a pet squirrel while traveling city to city. And <laughs> as part of... <laughs> As, as one would, as part of like <laughs> ribbon the boys, he was often dared to put it in his trunks, and he did. And the thing completely mauled him. And mm-hmm. my children are around, and I can't tell you where it was. But <laughs> two and two together. Um, I, the, I, I would have killed him in a fly, or even just like a, I don't know, a, the goon at that point, just to be in the room to like, hey Sid, you should put that in your pants. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, well, we're get out of it. Some uh, new softball gear, and here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you had me at softball. Yeah. Uh, shit, I was kidding. You know, he's <laughs> like, you know, um, one of one of my uh, 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 favorite uh, uh, quotes about uh, not quotes. One of my favorite quotes from Sid is uh, when he's cutting a promo with Jr. I believe it's in WCW or, or WWF. It's WCW, and yeah. he blows his line just and like trips over his word and he goes hey man can we cut back and do that and jr immediately goes ah so we're live pal <laughs> let me do that again <laughs> yeah one more time let me do that one more time and he's like well no we're live um you know as much of a of a stinker as uh and i say that as like he was a bad guy but like matches why it's like that little stinker sid um, as bad as he was, he did have a few good matches, uh, obviously with Bret Hart, but Bret Hart can make anybody look good. He can make a house plant look good. Uh, so Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels are, are, are some matches that he, uh, uh, that were pretty good. Um, I guess I should uh, say the, the man who shall not be named Mr. Chris Benoit. He had a good match with Benoit, uh, in WCW, but that alone caused a, a lot of problems. Um, he he had a really fun match in ECW with the Dudleys, and then he like out of nowhere turns on Spike because that is why Spike Dudley exists. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. So people would turn up. on him and beat his ass. That's the whole reason <laughs> he exists. I I, I think uh, as far as discussion time, I'd, I'd like to hear your guys your guys' thoughts on the big man himself. I think he was uh, for the time what he was. He, I think he was a great big man. Uh, he had a great look. He had that Vince McMahon chiseled bod, uh, but. Boy, he he was he was just he he was missing a lot of uh, key ingredients. When when people say that they have the it factor, Sid did not have it. Uh, <laughs> he had a he had a great look, but he's 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 incredibly entertaining to watch um, so, as far as promo wise because he gets confused halfway through of what he's saying. <laughs> 
uh, I, I I just wanted to put a spotlight on a, on a, a kind of a fun wrestler, uh, goof goofy wrestler, I guess. And uh, what do you, what do you think, guys? What what are your thoughts? What are some of your favorite matches, moments from Sid himself? Well, I I grew up a big Sid fan. I fucking love Sid when I was a kid. I, I'll be honest. I was uh, Sid Justice. I marked out like crazy. Um, I my favorite Sid era was Sid in ECW just because it was so fucking weird, right? It was just such a, just a, such a juxtaposition to have Sid walking through an ECW crowd. Um, I, for me, Sid's career is like I think Kevin Nash goes to sleep at night. And he looks at a picture of Sid Vicious and he says, there but for the grace of God go I. I think Sid and Kevin Nash parallel each other in so many ways. It's just that Kev caught the right breaks and had just the right personality. They're both big guys who everybody wanted because they were big. They're both, you know, not the most proficient technical wrestlers. They both viewed it as a business and just a business, right? They were there for the money. They weren't there for the love of the game. It's just that Sid wasn't able to put his hillbilliness aside. Uh, and I, I think that was ultimately Sid's downfall is he's from fucking West Memphis. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to West Memphis, but I have holy not. shit. Uh, it is. It, I mean, West Memphis makes West Virginia look like fucking West Side Manhattan. Um, it, it's it's. It's embarrassingly fucking hillbilly. Uh, and and I think that was Sid's ultimate undoing is I think if Kevin Nash grew up in a trailer park in the fucking Mississippi River, he'd be, <laughs> he'd be Sid Vicious too. Um, you know, the only other part about Sid Vicious's life that I you know, I think is worth pointing out here is, you know, Mike, you mentioned a couple weeks ago that your wife is really into reality TV. My wife mm-hmm. is also really into uh, reality TV, but like she loves Big Brother show big brother oh yeah that's right and a couple years ago sid's son was on big brother and they did like interviews with sid and went to his home and all this kind of shit and it was like one of the very few times where my wife's world and my world kind of overlapped where that venn diagram had a little bit i was like that's fucking psycho sid that's psycho sid and she couldn't give a shit but i was really amped up for the fact that we got to see psycho sid's home uh, in, in Arkansas, but yeah, I, I loved Sid. I did. I was a big fan of Sid. Uh, when, when Hulk Hogan dumped him in the Royal rumble and that betrayal, you know, angle was, was fucking great. But, um, yeah, not one of the greatest of all time, but definitely, again, I think he was, he was one character trade away from being Kevin Nash. No, I, I think that's a really good place to, or, uh, um, a good point. Um, you know, cause I was, I too was, a, I was a big Sid. I mean, my God, what, what is it, man? His name, Sid justice, Sid vicious, Lord humongous, Lord humongous is a good one. The skyscrapers. My favorite though is psycho Sid spelled S Y C H O. I yeah, believe, man. which makes no sense. Cause that's just the dude. And like, I, I, I would say Sid, Sid. <laughs> Sid had the it factor. He just didn't know what to do with it. I mean, really, if you think about it, the dude, body, hair, and like his, when he, my favorite era of of, of Sid was when I, I think it was his either last or second to last WWE run when he was doing the like gritting through his teeth and he talked like, and he just looked, he looked yeah. insane. And I was like, okay, great. And like, that was, I was like, man, this guy's kind of scary. And then he would just do something stupid to mess it all up. Like, oh, his hillbilliness. You know, he would stab Art Anderson with a pair of scissors. He would just be like, I'm going to go play slow pitch softball. <laughs> like, 
who cares about these millions of dollars in this business that I care, you know, I, I, I want to make money at. Now, my, my talent lies elsewhere. My real world. bread and butter is uh... professional <laughs> slow pitch softball. Like that just doesn't compute in my head. And you, yeah, I mean, I was terrified of him. You know, I love that he was one of the first big dudes to do the power bomb. And I was like, oh man, you know, the power. And he would make it look just terrifying. Who's the man? <laughs> but he just... <laughs> going back on it now man it's just jesus what a comedy act like yeah. him just screaming I, out who's the man um master my, of, I, I, of the world the ruler of the yeah, world the ruler of the world yeah the, the millennium man when he was right before he broke his leg um god almighty jeez it was just yeah that like he was fun to watch and now he's just equally fun to go back and watch like we that barbershop watching him destroy that barber shop and just the level of insanity—it's like there, there's, there's, there's something to be said real quick about like when when you know like you clearly could see that McMahon was like, "All right, Sid, I, I want you to go hard," and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go hard," and he does it, and and Vince is like, "Dude, I didn't say a thousand. Tone it down. Like he just goes berserk. He actually also too, uh, which I forgot to mention." Which is not shocking in the in, in the slightest. Apparently, he he had some legit like real heat with Warrior, just like a lot of people did, and that was what ultimately led him to, unlike Andre, and you know we, we talk about locker room locker room leaders and how important it is. Andre put him in his place. Sid was like, "Dude, you do this to me one more time, I'm out of here." And he told that to to McMahon, and he was like, he went to McMahon and was like, "Dude, if you don't get this guy to not listen to me." He's like kicking out of my finishers. He won't listen to me in the ring. And, you know, of course, McMahon's like, well, sorry, pal. I don't know what to do. You're eight, eight foot ten, you know. And uh, he uh, he was like, nope, cool. I'm going to take my softball and go home. And he did. <laughs> that, that was one of his, his last runs in WWF. Uh, he was just tired of Jim Hel- Jim Hel- Helwig. Yeah, Helwig. Yeah. And he was just like, forget it, dude. This guy has more trouble than he's worth. And he's like, I'm out of here. And that's when he was running the, the indies. I could just see, like, and I know this is a total joke. And obviously, I want to hear what you have to say, Jim. But, like, to me, it's just like, again, you know, like, look, you've got two options here. I either stab him to death with a pair of scissors <laughs> or I go play softball. Like, yeah. very, what do you want? He always looked like the, like the lights weren't on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, he had he had fantastic facial expressions for not during the match, like during his walk in his like the wide eyes and all that. He was great at selling with facial expressions. But for me, the most innovative thing and the most trendsetter, like we have to give him his his credit. We have to give him his propers is he pioneered jorts in wrestling. And John Cena owes him a great debt because when Sid went to the WCW, that last run in WCW was his jorts era. And I'm not telling, I'm not saying that John Cena saw that and and saw dollar (laughs) signs in his eyes, but I'm saying, can you prove he didn't? Right. I really, I really hope somewhere John Cena was like, there's money in this. There's money in this. <laughs> That's like a bitch. He's on to something. <laughs> John, you've been in here all day. What are you doing? His eyes are all dark, and he's like, I'm just watching Sid, man. You know, this guy's a pioneer. Look, either I wear jorts or I stab Arn Anderson. Those are your choices. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. Poor Arn, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and it was something like 20 times, too. Like, And I did hear – and it's like, well, I, both of them stand, I guess it was like, 
It was and, real close quarters. They were like, like, ah, well, but like, like you know? Arn had it. They both had a pair of scissors. And like, I've heard, Jesus and again, Christ. I don't, I wasn't in the room, but I've heard was that the only pair of scissors that Sid could get was like child safety scissors. And that's why Arn Anderson essentially lived just in my brain thinking of Sid Udy going bananas with a pair of child safety scissors. Dude, that's like, terrifying. You know, really makes me laugh though. Like, I don't know why, like. Oh man, and then our arms, you know, tough as nails is probably like, oh, I got something for you, and you know, grabs his own pair of scissors, and like, only the only in wrestling would you have these two maniacs go at each other with a pair of scissors, and like, well, wrestling in prison, uh, yeah, it, it sounds a lot like they like they had a shiv, right? That's what you do in prison is you just get in close and pop, 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 you know, you got a rapid yeah, fire attack, boot drop, walk, you know. I just, but I just, I love. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to go talk to him. I'm not going to punch him. It's like, nope, I'm going to grab my – I got my scissors and I'm going. <laughs> I can only imagine there, there had to have been somebody because you know how like the, you hear the stories of the roads where like the boys are riding together. Where so, There had to have been somebody who was like, hey, Sid, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like there had to have been somebody on both sides just being like, you know what? You guys do whatever you do to figure this out. But like good luck. And he's – because I'm sure Sid was like – I'm going to go in there and I'm going to stab the guy. Like I'm going to stab. I'm tired of Arn Anderson shit. I'm going to go stab this guy. And everyone's like, oh, Sid, man, I don't know. And he's like, nope. And I was like, no, Sid, come back. He puts on his body glove elbow sleeve and you know, goes in. <laughs> oh, well, that was a good spot. Well, yeah, so that's, that's, my, that's my spotlight. I mean, like I said, not – the most amazing wrestler, but the one of the most entertaining, and that's what He's we're here for. Legend, no two ways. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I still, I when I need a good laugh, I'm I'm dead serious. I'll go down. I, I'll go down a Sid rabbit hole because it's just, <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Like that 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 <laughs> the Goldberg when he is just screaming. Oh, it is so funny. I can I just, just watch that on a loop. It's so funny. Because I think it what adds to what makes it more funny is that there, you know <laughs> there's dudes back there who have produced it, and they're just like, oh, man, that was great. And the, <laughs> the whole audience is like, what the hell was that? What did we just see? Like, And, and you know, producers, Russo, every, all of them were just like, Sid, man, you nailed it. And he's like, well, you know, I've been taking acting classes, you know. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> work, brother. You just got to do the work, you know. But then just – and then the you next week, it's almost the same thing with the why me. It's just even – if you could just line those two. If you could pick, I'd say between the Shockmaster, the why me, the Goldberg – the half of the brain, like just watch those on repeat oh, and yeah. then it's top just... it off with a, he destroying the barbershop is like, <laughs> you're fine. Like that's all you need to watch. So, but what a, what a great spotlight that wraps it up for the spotlight wrestler of the week. And, uh, ultimately concludes our show. Um, you know, thank you, um, as always for taking a listen. Um, also giving us a, uh, hopefully you're giving us a big like and subscribe, uh, you know, and keep coming back for uh, for next week to hear these uh, dulcet tones of uh, of uh, Tom, Jim, and myself. Uh, but that'll do it for this week. Uh, we bid you adieu, farewell, and uh, a happy a happy week in uh, wrestling. Who's the man? <laughs> Sorry, I gotta throw that in there. Every time you say adieu, all I think is the Mountie always gets his man. I don't know why. <laughs> I just didn't mean to think of that.